Hey guys, I'm really excited to announce we are going to be doing a giveaway. What this is going to be is a two-man, two-day guided waterfowl hunt on November 18th and 19th in Northeast Kansas with Steady Wing Outfitters. In order to be signed up for the drawing, there's four things I need you to do. You need to go on to Instagram and follow the Steady Wing Outfitters Instagram page. You have to follow the Wicked Hunting Report Instagram page. In that Wicked Hunting Report Instagram page, I'm going to be making a post about the giveaway. In that post, I need you to tag three friends in it, and then you have to subscribe to the podcast. Once you've done all four of those things, follow the two Instagram pages, subscribe to the podcast, and tag your three friends. I need you to screenshot all four of those things and send them in a message to me on the Wicked Hunting Report Instagram page. Once you've done that, I'll enter you into the drawing. Uh, the drawing will go until the last day of February. Then on March 1st, I will draw the winner. And then on March 2nd, in that episode, I will announce who the winner is. So good luck. Tell your friends. Get as many people as you can signed up. The more people you have signed up, the better options you have that one of your buddies is going to win it and invite you along. Good luck. Before we get started, I want to tell you about our sponsors. Uh, first, we have DuckSeason.com. That's D-U-K-S-Z-N.com. Uh, go on there and check it out. You can trade hunts with people from across the country. Uh, there's a good duck hunting forum on there. You can buy some merchandise. Uh, there's also the Salty Fowl line of clothing on there where 100% of the profits go to the conservation of eiders. Next, we have Steady Wing Outfitters. It's located in northeast Kansas, and they're guiding for waterfowl, turkey, and deer. Uh, follow them on Instagram and Facebook, and if you want to book a hunt, you can call Mikey Soberano. His number is 785-410-2304. Next, we have 701 Pursuit. That's Caleb and the guys making hunting and fishing videos on YouTube. Uh, you can check them out there, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all those places. They also have a website. It is the numbers 701pursuit.com. Go on there and buy some clothes, hat shirts, stuff like that. Now we've got Waylon Johnson and his guide service, uh, hunting ducks and geese down in the San Antonio, Texas area. Uh, you can find him on Facebook. It's Waylon Johnson on there. Or you can give him a call. His number is 361 Four nine four seven eight six eight. Lastly, we have Highline Retrievers uh, dog training up in Northeast Montana. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. It's H I L I N E Retrievers. You can also uh, give me a call. My number is four zero six seven eight three seven zero eight three. If you have any questions on training, need any advice, any help, or if you want to set up some training in the future for your four-legged friend. Uh, thanks a lot and enjoy the show. All right, welcome to the Wicked Hunting Report. This is Garrett. Today I'm with uh, Daniel Gross of Mojo Buck Productions. Um, he's back on and we're going to talk some uh, turkey hunting and pretty much we're going to do a uh, turkey 101 series like we're doing snow geese because I have never turkey hunted before. I'm wanting to do it for the first time ever this year. And so I have a pile of questions, and I'm sure there's people that are listening that have never turkey hunted that want to learn how to do it too. So it's pretty much you guys are going to learn with me along the way. Um, so, yeah, 
Daniel, do you want to kind of introduce yourself again? Oh, yeah. Hey, what's up, guys? We're uh, back on the podcast. Appreciate you guys having us, as always. Uh, going to break down some turkey hunting strategy and maybe go over some calls and shotguns. There's a, there's a whole lot into turkey hunting for us in the South that maybe you guys in the, the Midwest don't really look into. But we're gearing up for the NWTF. That's next weekend. That's probably the biggest trade show in the world for turkey hunters. And it's going to be in Nashville. We're going to be running around and making content for the YouTube channel. So it's going to be awesome. Cool. All right. So first things first, if you're going to be like me going out for your first time turkey hunting, what do you need to buy to get started? To get started, uh, especially if you're a waterfowl guy, you're, you're pretty much halfway there. So you can use pretty much any shotgun uh, that's legal in your area. So you got to check your regulations and make sure you've got the, the right uh, you know shot size that they want you to use. But you can pretty much convert any 20 gauge, 410, uh, 28 gauge, 12, 12 gauge is probably the most popular. But you can start with your with your waterfowl shotgun, get you a good tight turkey choke. I wouldn't really uh, trust a, like a goose choke. You know, you think as a waterfowl guy is pretty tight, but get you a really tight turkey choke so you can be effective at range. Uh, you know, buy you some some turkey shot. You know, three three and a half inch, whatever your your flavor is there. Get your gun pattern. That's the number one key. Uh, and then probably start really listening to maybe some YouTube videos, go out and listen in your area if it's early season and really try to copy what you're hearing. So just like you did on a goose or, or duck call back in the day, just try to mimic what you're hearing on a hunt. Um, and like we were mentioning earlier, probably the best thing to buy as a, as a new guy or, or young gun running up is, is a friction call. I think you can be really successful early on with either a slate glass uh, what they call a pot call, or maybe just a, a box call is probably the universal uh, call that you probably pick up as a kid. It's the easiest one to make a noise on. It's kind of got built-in angles, so you're not really having to really mess with, you know, pitches and whatnot. It's just a clean hen sound. So as long as you can get a good clean hen sound, have a good accurate shotgun, and and get some camouflage, I, I, re I really think you're 99% of the way there. Cool. So. You got all your stuff. Now, where, I guess, would you start when you're looking for turkeys? Like, say you're driving driving down the road, you see a flock of turkeys out in a field. What do you do from there? So, if you were lucky enough to see some just doing their thing, like preseason, or if it's if it's already turkey season, you're kind of behind the eight ball. Uh, if you do see some out in the open in the daytime, that's a really good sign. That's somewhere that they're they feel comfortable enough to be feeding or or if it's in the in the peak season, you'll probably see some hens and some strutters out there. So strutters are, you know, those full blown up tom turkeys out there trying to impress the ladies. So if you do see that, uh, especially me, like if I'm out of state, you know, even if you're in your own state, use Onyx, find out who owns that property. And a good, you know, the good chances are if, if you see them doing that late in the evening, they're probably really close to where they're going to roost. So if you find a turkey's roost, especially here in the south or, the, you know, southeast, you, you're probably going to pinpoint them down to the radius of, of their, you know, their, their, where they're going to operate most of the time in the spring. So a turkey in the spring is, is, is focused on three things. You know, the first thing is, is cover. So somewhere they can feel safe. The second thing is, is definitely where the hens are. So they're really trying to chase and reproduce. That's their main goal in the spring. And then their third thing is, you know, obviously somewhere they can, they can recoup. So it's like a Creek bottom, a uh, water source, you know, something where turkeys eat a lot of bugs, especially out in the wild. So, you know, any kind of knee high 
you know, grass is where they can go out in the early morning and grab some bugs there. So you've got cover, you know, they want to find hens and they want to have some place to recoup at the end of the day. So creek bottom and, you know, somewhere they can get some food. So if you can pinpoint all that down, uh, man, I think you're, you're really close to getting on that Tom Turkey. Okay. So you found all that stuff and you think that you know where they roost. So now you said that you want to try to find them before season, right? Uh, if, if possible. So like here in like where we live, it's a lot of, of wooded areas. So giant, you know, giant stretches of, of pine woods, oak trees, stuff like that. So really the landscape this time of year would remind you of deer season. Everything's dead, a bunch of leaves on the ground. So turkeys give themselves away whenever they're looking for, uh, it's called scratching. So if you can go out in the woods and where you think you're finding turkeys, you're going to find droppings. That's probably the number one thing you're looking for, but it's going to look like it's going to look like somebody took a leaf blower and made like zigzag lines through the leaves. That's literally a flock of turkeys since they're in their winter flocks. They're going to be all grouped up. You're going to find if you put a trail camera out on a hot you know, place where they're scratching, you're going to see 20 to 30 hens. Then you're going to see a group of, you know, seven to eight toms, you know, all, all together in a, a winter flock. So they're going to be working that, you know, that, that hardwood bottom creek bottom really scratching super hard that's if you find that man that's a i would drop a pin there because that's probably when everything turns green they're still going to be using that area pretty hot and heavy for for food you know focusing so if you got that spot and you drop a pin on it that's just like somewhere you would go during turkey season sit down by it put a decoy in it and wait uh i wouldn't go as far as to put a decoy out because you as soon as i put a decoy out i'm almost certain i know the direction and what's going on for the morning so I wouldn't put a decoy out, but I would definitely put that as a starting point. So I may I may put that on Onyx and I may drop like a point and mark it like listening spot. So the biggest thing in the morning is and it's happened to me, man. I, I've, I've been almost certain that I know where these turkeys are roosting. I go in super early morning before daybreak. I'm getting real still. I'm listening to the woods wake up. You know, you hear that barred owl going off and you hear that turkey hammer in the distance. And you're like, well, that's not exactly where I thought he was. But now he's over here. So. I always tell guys, if you're going to go out and spend the money on decoys, don't put yourself in a corner from the get go. Let that turkey tell you kind of what what you're supposed to do for that morning. Uh, so don't don't put a bunch of decoys out. Don't put a big blind out because then it's harder to move. But, you know, you want to be as mobile as possible. Turkey hunting. You don't want to put yourself in a corner. So let's say you're sitting in that spot, like you said, and you heard him off where you thought he wasn't. Are you going to hurry up and stand up and try to get up closer to him or what? Uh, this is where woodsmanship comes a lot into it. Probably not so much where, like, say, like when I hunted out in Nebraska, you know, there was a group of roost trees and that was it for miles and miles and miles of like open prairie ground. So I knew that's where they were going to be. We just had to get in front of the direction to travel. Well, it's similar to us in the South, except there's so much wooded areas that you, they've got so many choices. So if you hear that Tom hammer, and you know the lay of the land, and it's harder on public, or it's harder if you're on a new piece of ground. That's why scouting is so important. But if you know where those creek bottoms, you know, curl up into the mountain, and you know where there's a wooded lot, you know where there's a little, you know, mowed hayfield. Those are so important to know where that's at, because in the dark or when it's breaking daylight and that turkey's gobbling, you got to kind of know, okay, well he's in the back corner of this property, I can hunt there. You know what's around it. Is he going to fly down immediately to a creek bottom, get him a drink? Is he going to go out to where the hens are? You know, you, it's you got to make a game plan based on what you know, right? So off the information you know, I've got a turkey that's hot. 
He's gobbling on his own. He's about 250 yards out. If it was me, I would go and get as so close as I, you know, humanly possibly could get close to him on the roost. So turkeys have the best eyes in the whole animal kingdom, dude. Like it, I tell people if a turkey could smell like a deer or a coyote, no one would ever kill one. But that's the turkey's downfall is they can't smell, but they have the best eyes in the woods. So that's why it's so important. And you see so many guys from head to toe camouflage themselves out. I'm talking masks, gloves, everything. So you want to move in the woods while you still have the cover of darkness to get as close as possible to that turkey that's gobbling. Uh, most of the time, you know, try to use zero headlamps. You know, headlamps are fine. You know, if you're getting in there at three in the morning, it's still dark. The woods are quiet. You can use a headlamp. But when that turkey's gobbling, he's looking. So he's gobbling, he's looking, he's making a decision on what he wants to do for the day. So get in, use your ninja skills, guys. Get in as tight as you possibly can. Sit down and listen. And um, that's probably the next tip, man, is is it, as soon as a guy buys a turkey call, like at Walmart, they go to the turkey aisle and they buy a box call. You know, what, what do you want to do? You've been practicing with it for two months and you want to get out there and you want to use it, right? I want to hear a response from that turkey. That's the worst thing you can do. I'll tell you why. So as soon as you make your first call, you literally tell that turkey exactly where you're sitting in the woods. So it's good and bad. It's it's a blessing and a curse. That that turkey can pinpoint you. I think there's been a scientist here at the University of Georgia that said a turkey can pinpoint you within like 10 yards of where you're actually sitting, which Just is crazy. Just on the sound. And that that turkey, if you're chasing that turkey where he lives, he knows that ground better than you can. I mean, even if it's your own property, dude, that turkey knows that ground inside and out, like the back of his hand, dude. So you want to make sure that when you make that sound and you interrupt what's going on, that you're you're ready to go. So, yeah, like you said, getting tight is super important and being really strategic on when you want to actually let him know where you're at. Because as soon as you let him know where you're at, you don't want to do a lot of moving around. You want to be kind of ready to go. So you do you want to do that? Like, do you want to make your first sounds while he's still in the tree or you want to wait for him to get down first? I think that is uh, that situational. So if he's gobbling and you can't hear a single hen answer him, then, you know, you're the only one in the woods. You could probably make a gamble and go ahead and and let him know. I mean, you're there. So he, he knows kind of, OK, I'm going to pitch down this way. And it's funny because when a turkey's up in a tree, depending on if he's facing you, and this takes a little bit of time and hearing a lot of turkeys. But if you hear a turkey, you can tell when he gobbles if he's facing you or not. So if you if you can hear, you know, say I'm, you know, my guesstimate, I'm about 100 yards away from this turkey up in a pine tree. He's gobbling every, you know, say 10 minutes. He's gobbling. If it sounds muffled, then, you know, he's facing away from you. And the reason he's doing that is to find out, you know, OK, where am I going? Where am I going to start my day and where are these hens at? That's his number one priority. So. If he's if he's turned on the limb away from you, it sounds muffled. If he's turned towards you, it's really, really intense, a really intense eastern turkey hammer gobble. So if he's turned towards you and you give him a little bit of tree yelps and a little bit of sequences, let him know, hey, OK, there's a hen in a tree over there. That's probably enough to let him know if he immediately cuts your call off. Say you're going into a yelp, you know, you know, yelp, yelp, yelp. And he cuts you off. That's a great sign, dude. I, I wouldn't give him any more because the whole idea behind a turkey hunter and why you have a turkey call is to reverse nature. So in nature, the hen goes to the gobbler. That's why he gobbles. So the reason he gobbles is, hey, hey, lady, I'm over here. I'm big boy. You know, I'm the one you want to be with. I'm over here. Let's get it on. Well, and a hen answers him every so often, let him know, hey, I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. Vice versa. So as a turkey hunter, you're reversing that. 
you're giving him just enough information. So he's like, man, there's a, there's a lady over there, dude. Like she's, she sounds pretty good, but she's not getting closer. That's weird. So as soon as you get him interested and he's gobbling on his own, my strategy is to cut it off. Like I give him just enough to get him, you know, hot bothered. And then as soon as he pitches down, I cut it off. You know, I try to anyway. Uh, that's when you can really tell if he's got hens with him or if he already knows where he's going. That's probably the biggest, the biggest key there. But yeah, it's a, it's like a game of chess, man. A lot of the, the people say in the Turkey woods, it's chess, not checkers. And that's, that's a true statement. So it's pretty much exactly what I do with coyotes when they're having their coyote rut is we'll do yeah. a female howl. And as soon as you get that male interested, like he's cutting off your howl, answering back or whatever, that's when you stop. And then they just, they can't handle it because they know one's over there, but not answering anymore. And then they come in, they might not come all the way in, but yep. they'll come in close enough to let you see them. So I guess, so you know, you know where it's at. He's up there and you said you're doing tree elps. What? I guess, what are those sounding like? Like, what kind of sounds are you trying to make to get him to answer you? So if you're if you're starting out, you're on a friction call, it's it's identical to just a regular turkey yelp. So you're going to use a real light, maybe four note yelp. I mean, it's a really, really light call. And you'd be surprised how far that sound carries and that turkey can hear it. A lot of people are, you know, it, that, that's why I say the time in the woods and listening to a live turkey is, is invaluable because you learn so much and how they react to a call. So just a real light Yelp sequence, nothing aggressive. You, you're you're a turkey just waking up. So what do you do when you wake up? You really don't want to talk to anybody. You're just hanging out. You say, hey, where's my coffee at? You know, I'm trying to wake up. So you're just giving him enough to let him know that there is a hen in the area. She's up in a tree. She's content, you know, maybe getting ready to fly down, maybe not. She's, you know, surveying the ground. Turkeys are really cautious, man, because turkeys are a huge prey animal for a lot of species down here in the south. So You've got coyotes, you've got raccoons that eat their eggs, you've got bobcats that chase them on the ground. So they're not going to just fly down just if it's still dark. I mean, they're going to make 100% sure they're safe before they get on the ground. So you're just letting him know, like, hey, I'm here. You know, I hear you gobbling. I'm over here. You know, we'll see what's going on. And I would say the less calling you can handle as possible. As, as a new guy, I've been there. I, you, you're dying to make that turkey gobble as much as possible because – Hearing a turkey gobble is fun, man. You can go all day and hear turkeys gobble, and you can go home and feel like you had a great hunt. It's not always about slamming one on the ground, but it, I trust me, the, the less you can do and make him still interested, the the more tur- silence and patience has killed more turkeys than any any call on the shelf. Okay, so sun comes up and you hear him get down, hit the ground. Are you just sitting there quiet, still waiting for him to come in, or as soon as he hits the ground, are you letting him know where you're at again? Uh, if you played a little bit of the quiet game and you know that he's on the ground and it's funny how you can hear him up in a tree versus on the ground. And, and if you're close enough, you could probably hear his wing beats off because when a turkey busts off, off a roost, it sounds like oh, you took a wolf ball bat all the way down that tree. It's loud because he's I mean, you're talking about a 28, 30 pound bird, you know, cruising through a pine tree. It's, it's going to make some noise. So if you're that close, uh, I would probably give him, you know, one or two sequences, let him respond to you. And then and then cut it off. You know, I, I, it, it's really situational because if he's just by himself, it's easier. But if you've got hens and you hear him have hens, the biggest sign that I listen for is if he's gobbling on the roost and then he hits the ground and he stays completely quiet. What would you think? He probably has hens because there's no reason for him to, to be gobbling if he's got five or six hens around him. 
that's typical for your early season hunt here in Georgia is he's going to fly down and immediately probably get on a group of hens. So the biggest success that we have or the strategy we use here is early season is, uh, you know, if you see them, if you can visually see them or hear them and you hear hens, just be quiet because eventually they will split up. He'll either breed them or they'll feed around for an hour or two, and then they will split up. And then probably around that 1130, that 12 o'clock, uh, you're going to hear gobble strike up again because he's constantly looking for hens. So, so and that's when you'll start giving him a couple more sounds again until he's gobbling back at you? Yeah. So if you've hung with a bird from the early morning off the roost and he shut up, you know, the worst thing you could do is sit there and just, just hammer away on whatever call you've got. I would be quiet, let him do his thing, and as soon as you hear – you know, a lone gobble or a couple gobbles, you know, 11, 30, 12 o'clock, then that's when I would, I would probably make a move because that turkey can make a lot of ground up in three hours. So if he's on the backside of a ridge or if he's dropped down to a creek bottom, you can make your move at this time. Don't immediately call at him because if he's hot, he's hot. You know, if he's turned the switch back on, he's going to be ready. So you need to be moving around, get in position, get everything up. You know, if you're going to film, go ahead and get your camera set up. The less movement as possible Get your red dot on, get ready to roll. If you're using decoys, stick a decoy out, get set up, get tight, and then make a call because so you, he's you're gonna gonna wanna be coming. Get, you want to get like close, like another 100 yards closer again, like within 100 yards of him again, or how close are you trying to get in the afternoon? So if it depends. So if he's got to cross a field or something where it's a bunch of open terrain, get as close as humanly possible without giving yourself away. If you're lucky enough to have some woods in between you or a ridge that you can work with, I would get, you know, on the backside of the ridge or get in a, in a holler or get somewhere close to him. Use the terrain. The terrain is as much of a tool that you use to kill a turkey as a call or a decoy is. You want to really use that terrain to your advantage. So whatever you can do to get closer as you can with staying as hidden as you can, that's, that's the name of the game. Okay. So are you changing up the sounds that you're making in the afternoon compared to in the morning when he's on his roost? Yeah, so I, I think you've probably got the green light to be a little bit more aggressive, doing some cuts, doing some you know louder, you know, different Yelp sequences. If you're if you know he's got hens, because I've killed turkeys by making the hen mad enough where she dra- drags him in with me. So you can do that if he's by himself. Be more conservative because it's kind of like blowing at ducks and geese. You can blow him out of the hole. I mean, you can you can call so much that he's like, man, this is not really, this is weird. You know, I live here every day. These hens are not like that. So you want to be as natural as possible. Now, if you if you strike a bird, just say you go out at 3 o'clock, you miss the morning for whatever, you're getting off work, or you just want to go strike up a bird, and you find one that's hot, you can, you can be aggressive and then cut it off. I mean, as soon as, as soon as he gobbles, you answer right back with a yelp. He gobbles again. You know, that, that's a pretty aggressive call sequence. So that, if you get him interested enough, you can cut it off. It's just – it's a fine line, man. You can, you can overcall a bird, and overcalling is – Overcalling is probably the best conservation tool that's ever been made because it saves a lot of turkeys' lives. And it's it's definitely a uh, – it's not something that you learn your first day. So it, it's going to happen because you're going to hear that turkey gobble, and you're going to be like, damn, I want to hear him gobble again. Just one more gobble. You know, that that's mm-hmm. half the fun. So it, it's tough, man. I, I think going with a veteran guy or going with somebody that's consistently getting on birds, watch him, dude. Like, if is he, is he moving around, you know, being stealthy? Is he using the terrain? You know, some guys don't even use decoys. There's turkey hunters out there that are decoy purists where they don't believe in it. So they want it as challenging as possible. And it's just, uh, it's wild, man. It's addicting. Okay. So you said that you don't really use a decoy when he's coming off the roost. 
so are you like do you just like have collapsible ones or i really don't even know what the decoys look like so i mean like is it a full oh, body yeah. like you drag in three of them behind you or what or how many uh, and i guess how are you setting them up i i have upgraded to i used to have the cheap foam you know looks barely like a turkey from walmart back in the day because we, we started turkey hunting when i was like you know 12 or 13 so the, the technology and the decoys have come a long way. I mean, you've got decoys now that look good enough to shoot. I mean, they're they're freaking real, the carving and all that. I use a bunch of Avian X stuff uh, where it's almost like a hybrid between a full body and an inflatable. I like an inflatable that's got a really good detail because I can pack it. Typically, I just use those green bags that they come with. So if I'm if I'm walking in, and, and that's what's great about the Avians is they come in a olive green bag and in the spring those disappear. So if, if I want to ditch my decoys and ditch my vest on the base of a tree and run run and gun with a mouth call and my shotgun, I've done that plenty of times and killed birds that way. Uh, so you can hide your decoys. Typically, I, I like if you're starting out and you don't have a lot of money, buy you the most realistic hen decoy you can possibly afford. Just one hen. Don't worry about buying the strutters and the fans and the motion and all that crap. Just get you a hen decoy that looks as real as possible. Use that because that's tip. I mean, that's what you're mimicking, right? You're a lone hen in the woods trying to pull that gobbler into gun range. So get you a hen. If you can upgrade a little bit, a hen and a half strut uh, Jake. I'm not a big fan of the full strut toms because, number one, they're super, super hard to carry around. You have to have a fan and all this crap. Dude, I, I hate – I like being as minimalistic as possible. If I'm going in on like a private piece of ground and I know this is where the turkeys are, I've got a little bit more time to set up a, you know, a full strut decoy and two other hens, whatever. But if you're just going in private land, I would say no decoys just for safety purposes. Uh, anything private or you're running around on your own ground, you know, a hen and a half strut jake's going to be fine because uh, the jake's going to be small enough to where it's going to still piss off a big tom to come in and flog it or, or interact with it. You run the risk of calling in a subordinate tom that sees a full strut bird and scares away. So I, I hate that if I did all that work and that, that big Tom comes in, but yet he's not the head of the head of the, the you know, that, that woods you're hunting and he's the subordinate bird. I don't want to run him off or have him. I don't want to have him doubt anything in the setup. I want him just to come right in. A lot of the times I don't use a decoy at all because I'm moving around so much. So it's really, it's really situational. So when you're not using a decoy, so don't have something to look at, you're just, going off the hope that they think that they know where you the hen are and they're just going to keep coming in that direction and come yep. by close enough to you yeah so yeah. if like, like i said if you get that tom so you know you tripped his meter so much he is going to come find you especially if you're being conservative on calling and it is it will blow your mind how much ground i've seen a turkey run 400 yards through the woods and come within 20 yards of where i was sitting i mean they they know exactly where you you are it, it's wild well, I suppose it's like you're in your house and you hear something fall off the wall and bang around and you're laying in bed. Yep. You can pretty much tell where in the house that was. Cause, I mean, you're there all the time. You know what's where. So. Yep, that's it. And then and then all the times that you're not there, they're, they're hearing hens all over the place because hens during the spring, they move their roost all over. They don't have to be in one spot. So it's I mean, they definitely know they definitely know where they're at. I guess. Would you mind making the sounds of some calls and what sounds you're making kind of tell us what it is and when you're going to use that sound. Yeah, absolutely. So the biggest one is a friction call. And what I've got here is just what you call a pot call. This is in aluminum because I bought it to go out West. You really want that sound to carry. So aluminum and glass 
have a really high pitch frequency yelp versus a slate, some more dull, you know, realistic, like an open tone. So the aluminum, this will be a little bit more high pitched than what you use. Typically, I, I run a bunch of diaphragm calls, so I'm a real big advocate of mouth calls. These are a, have a more steep of a learning curve, and it takes you a long time to find your Yelp and what air channel, and that's a whole other podcast. So you can do a whole podcast on diaphragm calls. But once you master a diaphragm call, you probably won't pick up this as much. But if you're doing uh, a lot of location or if you're running through uh, a patch of woods midday and you're trying to strike up a bird, when you hear somebody say strike up a bird, they're referring to this striker here. That's just a, a word that a turkey hunter uses. So say, oh, I was going through midday and I struck up a bird. That's what they mean is using a, a friction call. So uh, I'll try to do some tree yelps on here. I don't know how much you'll hear on, on the microphone, but like I'll, I'll give you a normal yelp. Let me see if I can find that sweet spot on this call. This is also why I don't like uh, friction calls is they're a lot more finicky and you're having to figure this out either in the dark or on your own. Okay, so like your normal Yelp sequence is gonna, you know, a couple of clucks, you know, a couple of couple of clucks, something like that. You know, your typical five, six note Yelp. A tree Yelp is gonna be really, really soft. Something like that, dude. I mean, I'm barely touching the striker to the pot. So I mean, you're just, you know, just barely. Just something like that. Just letting them know you're there. And you're, you're thinking, you know, if you were here listening to this, you're like, man, that's super quiet. And that's exactly what you're trying to do. A real muffled, short tree call. Because it's it's literally just think about when you first wake up. You don't want to go have – you don't want to immediately go on stage and do public speaking when you first wake up in the morning. You want to get your coffee, your breakfast, you know, brush your teeth, get ready for the day, and then you might be ready to have a conversation. Same thing with turkeys. That Tom's hammering, that hen hears them, wakes up. It's like, okay, I'm here. I'm here. I'm looking at the ground. I might, I might fly down. Whenever you so get more. Is, you said that's a little – did you say it's a little bit shorter like the tree elk? Like it's a little bit shorter and quieter? Or is it just the yes. same like length? Or? Yes. So you just want to, you know, like, yep, 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 just like that. Just a real four – a four little yelps, real quiet. Uh, you can do some light clucking because a, a, a hen, if you ever get really close to a hen and she's just feeding around – they're all the time making noise. They're, they're not ever just really quiet unless they're just kind of spooked out or they're just they're walking through. So a hen's always doing some kind of purring, clucking, uh, little feeding noises. That That's a typical thing. So And that's another thing you can use. When you're walking through the woods and there's really loud, crunchy leaves, you can put your mouth call in and, and cluck and purr as you're walking because a distant so, bird would hear that and think, oh, there's some hens walking around. So what does that sound like? Like if you're walking around the woods, what what sounds are you going to be making? <laughs> Get this mouth call in. So if I'm walking through the woods, I'm going to be just. Just just stuff like that like you're just feeding along hanging out and then if you get more aggressive on some cuts like say you've got a, a hen that's i call it cuss snatch if you get a hen cuss snatch you do it you know it because it's just immediately ca, 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 ca. it's as so fast like, as you can do it so like when you're walking around you're making those noises and you hear a hen start yelling at you like you said cussing at you do you yeah. just 
do you like start making noise back at her or do you just sit down where you're at and wait or what do you do? I would uh well the chances that she's got a tom especially in the, in the heat of it is pretty high so if he's being quiet you know he's gonna let her do all the talking because because when a tom gets into a, a hen and they haven't bred yet he is almost in a trance and it's really funny to see in real life so a turkey will be in and out of strut just eyeballing this hen and following her like a lost kid, dude. It's just like walking into the woods, following this hen. So if I, if I heard a hen, if I, you know, struck up a hen, just walking through the woods, trying to do some scouting or, or at me trying to find a bird, if she started cutting or, you know, getting aggressive at me, I am, like you said, going to find a tree and try to sit, sit in the shadows. If, especially if it's, you know, midday, there's a lot of shadows in the woods. I'm going to try to get into a shadow of a tree and kind of get ready. Cause I mean, there could definitely be a Tom, that you you may you know once you get set in and you're ready and you call back at her she may get mad and come right into you and say hey there's a there's a woman in my woods right here what is going on like I, who is this I'm the I'm the lady with the tom who is this girl so you know you know females man they they can do some catfighting dude so they they don't like that so she very well could string that tom right into you sometimes it's just the hen by herself you know a boss a boss uh boss hen like a boss Tom, a boss hen can get mad enough to come and see what's going on. So, you know, 50 percent of the time she's got a, a Tom, 50 percent of the time she's by herself. I've, I've had him walk right up, you know, to 10 foot, dude, and can't figure out what I am. So it's a and, that, and, that, and that's fun. Dude. Turkey hunting's fun. You're, you're being vocal. Uh, you know, if you're a waterfowl guy and you like how ducks and geese interact with a call, it's it's like that on steroids because you're literally calling them into your into gun range. So what sounds are you going to be making back at that hen if she's pissed off at you? So at a hen, you can do a lot more. Uh, the yelp is more like a lonely call. So when turkeys get real upset, especially a hen, they're doing more cutting. Uh, and this call is not the best for that. Uh, it's a more triple reed thin thin call, so it does a good yelp. But uh, we'll do some cutting on it. We'll Like and so real, is she is she going to do that right back at you too like you two are arguing like that or what yes a, a hen's probably going to do a lot more uh cut you off type deal so as you're answering she's going to be answering right back it's almost like two women in a barbershop trying to talk over each other it's um uh, it's she wants the upper hand in in the in the battle for sure she's trying to show dominance so sure. do they usually uh keep making that sound like if she's mad and she's coming in is she going to be cutting in like that all the way into you or is she going to shut up and come in on a run usually a hen's going to be giving you lip all the way into you okay they're, they're, they're really easy to track so uh, and and it just depends if they're in the mood to fight they'll do it and they'll come all the way in and they may cuss you from a distance it depends on you know what what the you know hierarchy is and what hen you're in, you know talking to so it's 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 really interesting man turkey biology is so cool and it's so fun to to see that in person dude i mean honestly i've i've gone so many days in the turkey woods and have interactions like that and i go home completely satisfied dude i don't have to always have a turkey over my shoulder to have had a good you know to make a good video or to or to interact with turkeys or to have fun dude that's literally what it's all about so like you said you get off work at three o'clock whatever and you go try to strike up a bird are you just going find a tree and sitting down and trying to make one make a noise or are you walking through the woods doing your uh, clucking and purring so at three in the afternoon you're either going to find probably a couple different sets of birds uh mentalities that you're interacting with you're going to either find that that lone tom that maybe is not the dominant bird but he's out cruising 
kind of like a, they've got a word for it in the whitetail world, like a radar buck. Like he's just like out on the out on the outskirts trying to find that hot doe. He's not the man, but he's he's trying to be in a couple of years. He's just trying to find him a lady. You'll run into that. Uh, you'll also run into maybe two or three toms that's got a pile of hens in the field already. So they're already out there strutting and they're doing their thing. I've seen turkeys do that for four hours, dude, all afternoon. And then they split up and go to roost. So if you run up on, uh, if you're just checking fields with, with binos or whatever, trying to spot a fan or a shutted bird and he's got hens, that's a really tough bird to kill. I mean, you, especially mid season, late season, pro- probably mid season when they're doing the, the peak of the breeding and stuff. But Dude, that's a really hard bird to kill. I mean, you, you can you can sit on the field edge and you can call at him and he'll probably answer. But as long as he's got a live hen in front of him dancing around and stuff, he's he's not going to break strut and come to you. I've been there, done that. And that's a tough bird to leave because it's fun to watch. I mean, that's half the fun is watch them do their thing. But I would I would suggest I would say, hey, man, mark that spot for later. Maybe that's a that's a place I want to come right off the roost because if that's a place they're comfortable with, they might eventually come back the next day. So I wouldn't try to booger that up just yet. I would probably cut and run, uh, you know, really moving through the woods, careful, giving a little, you know, hen cluck feed calls and try to find that lone Tom. The lone afternoon Tom is probably when a lot of people kill their bird. Cause if you strike up a hot bird in the afternoon, just unless some crazy something happens, you've got a really high chance of getting him in the gun range, you know, all, all things considered. Okay. So let's say you did everything that you've talked about and you're sitting there and you got a lone Tom coming in. Yep. What, what do you do? Like if you got a gun, you're putting it on your knee and on your shoulder and getting ready or I guess. Uh, it, it depends on how, how far off. If he's like, you know, a good four or 500 yards off and it's a real faint gobble, I would, and this is where, you know, it, it's tough and knowing your terrain is different, but if you're going to push the envelope, I would probably try to cut half that distance off before I called back. If I struck him and he gobbled and you're very confident, like, okay, he's 400 yards across two ridges, I'm going to cut a ridge off in between us. Because asking a turkey to cross a creek up and over a mountain, over a, you know, jumping a fence, uh, you know, any kind of terrain features that's going to make him do that extra work, you're asking a lot of him. So you're you're trying to make it easy for him to come in. So you want to do as much as you can. I, I would probably, I would hesitate on the decoy. Uh, because a lot of the times if you put a decoy out in the late, you know, the late evening, you run the risk of them hanging up. So hanging up is where you've got a turkey about 60, 70 yards out that visually sees you and he hangs up. So it's like an invisible fence. He just will not come. He'll strut. He'll gobble. He'll answer a call. He's not coming closer because he visually in his mind says, there's a hen. I'm over here to come to me. Why is she not coming over here? So that's kind of where, especially if you're in the woods, it's a lot harder for a turkey to pick you out in the woods. It's a lot harder for a turkey to find a hen in the woods if she's being quiet because the hen turkey is made to be camouflaged, like all female birds. They're made to be camouflaged, hide from predators, protect the protect the you know, baby turkeys, the poults. So I would suggest getting them all fired up and getting as close as you can, kind of the same thing you're doing in the morning. And, and you know, maybe a decoy, maybe not. I would probably say not. If I'm in the woods, make him come looking for you. You know, make him make him gobble and, and come and 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 try to find you and get into gun range. And with these with these gun setups now, I mean, you know, 40, 45 yards, 50 yards, you're taking a shot. So, you know, you just got to play your cards right for sure. So where are you aiming at on a turkey? Say he's like within 30 yards or something. You put it on his head or do you just put it on his body or where you aim? So there's 
I, not really controversial. I guess it's people that are just taught wrong. So this goes back to when you pattern your shotgun. I like to have the bulk of my pattern from the top to the bottom. I like to have his head directly in the center of it because I want that pattern to hit him as square as possible. Because in the turkey woods, unlike the turkey you're shooting at your shooting range, he's not going to be sitting there flat on a piece of paper not moving. A turkey is always moving unless he's in strut or if he's, you know, doing the turkey neck deal where he's completely slick and he's looking up and he's kind of smelling a skunk and something's going on, man, something's up here. So you want to have your pattern hit him as square as possible. So I always tell people aim at the base of the neck. A turkey has a lot of skin uh, wrapped up down here called the wattles. So if you side in your red dot or if you pattern your shotgun and you aim center dead of the base of his neck where the feathers stop and where his head starts, no matter what he does, whether, you know, I mean, a turkey's not going to jump your shot like a whitetail is going to jump your bow. That just doesn't happen with a shotgun. So the worst thing he's going to do is if you flinch or if you have to move your gun really quick around a tree last minute to get, get around something to shoot and make that clean shot, he might move a little bit, but his neck's going to be still. You know, he may not move his whole body, but he may look around a bush. So no matter what, I'm still going to get the base of the neck, the spine, all of the arteries going up to his head. I've still got plenty of vitals to hit that turkey. Now, if you're archery turkey hunting, that's totally different. A headshot's really risky because you've got one arrow trying to hit his head. You really want to hit that, you know, corner of his wing where all the heart and the lungs are for a turkey. But that's another story. A shotgun, pattern your gun. After 40 yards, that's kind of the benchmark in the industry. 40 yards is kind of the, the ethical max. And side in for the base of the neck, I, I promise you, you'll get more consistent kills and there'll be cleaner kills, less flop, and you'll be you'll be good to go. Okay. So one of the last things, you got your turkey vest. What all do you have in your turkey vest? What's a guy I want to carry? Oh, yeah, dude. So I want to have a friction call. So I've got my friction aluminum here. I've got... Two or three, I've got two of the, my, my favorite mouth call, I've got at least two of them because turkey hunting, two is one, one is none. That's a really good principle to, to maintain. So I've got two of my primary mouth calls. I've got a, a totally different frequency of mouth calls because if I'm hunting the same area and they say I wore them out on that call the day before, I want a different tone. So turkeys pick up tone really, really well. So you may kill a turkey on a box call where you wouldn't kill him on a slate call or you might kill him on a diaphragm where he wouldn't touch it, he wouldn't even he wouldn't even answer you to a friction call. So having a gamut of calls in your arsenal is is great. And the more you can master and sound more realistic, the better. Uh, my favorite locator call is a owl call. So you just a you know something like that. That early morning. Uh, that's a huge advantage because, like we talked about earlier, you're not giving away your position. You're not being a turkey at that time. You're literally just getting him to, you know, turkeys get scared. They call shot gobble. Turkeys will answer to that, and you go, okay, he's over there. Let's make a move, and then I'll be a turkey. So always have a locator call. Some people use a crow call, a red-tailed hawk. I like an owl call. You can use this all throughout the day. So have a locator call of some kind. Uh, my vest here is out of camera, but I've got a really good, comfortable seat. So a seat and a backrest is huge in a vest, and I'm going vest shopping. Obviously, camouflage is key. Uh, I've got back here a, a pullover where if you're coming out of work, you can throw that leafy pullover over top of a work shirt and immediately hit the woods. Uh, I've got a fly down wing back here. So if I'm going to do a fly down sequence, I've got a turkey wing from an old kill 
that we've uh, preserved up and got it here. So you can you're making that you're making that fly down call of him hitting a hitting a tree limb coming out. So that's a good thing to have if you want to mimic that. Uh, I've got a couple of game totes, so you always want to have something to drag that turkey out with. I've got a sharp knife. If I'm far away, out of state, I want to breast that turkey out. I don't want to let the meat go to waste, get it on ice. I've got a good knife. Uh, definitely mask and gloves are key. So I've got several sets of fingerless gloves. I've got several sets of masks because if you go turkey hunt with somebody and you're rushing to get ready for the morning, the number one thing that you miss is, is oh, dude, I forgot my mask or I forgot my gloves. And just like waterfowl, you know, when they say pie facing, when you're looking out the blind and your, your white face is looking at turkeys are worse. So you want to have a mask and gloves. So I've always got an extra set for a guy that's coming with us or if he forgets. Uh, really, I like to keep it streamlined. Other than that, if I've got a decoy bag over my shoulder, if I've got a bottle of water, if I'm going to be in there a little later and a protein bar, that's always good to have. A turkey vest is so personalized. Some guys carry the kitchen sink. Some guys carry the bare minimum. And I'm, I think I'm one of those bare minimum guys because, you know, on public land, chasing out of state, you could cover a lot of ground. So being light is being lethal. And that's cool. what you got to live by. Cool. Well, I definitely learned a lot. Hopefully people listening did too. Uh, is there anything else that we missed that you want people to know about it that we should know? Uh, I think if you stick to the basics, um, and definitely ask questions. I think young guys coming up in, in whatever you're doing, waterfowl or turkey or whatever, ask questions, man. If you see a guy on YouTube that's got a you know podcast or whatever turkey hunt and he's successful, find out why he's successful. Shoot him a message, man. I mean, all he can all he can say is no. You know, find that guy, have a mentor, something you can bounce ideas off of. Because turkey hunting is is a sport where you can go out and you can spend all this money on a gun, TSS, decoys. You could spend thousands of dollars and you can get really frustrated. But it might be that one thing you're doing wrong that he may go, hey, you know, instead of doing this in the morning, do this. Or, hey, instead of calling back, do this. You know, there may be some tip that you latch onto that you then find success in. So get a mentor, ask questions, invest in the best gear you can from the get-go, buy once, cry once. You know, that's something I learned over the years. And uh, and get out there and listen to birds. Do your scouting. Get out there uh, a couple weeks before season, wherever you're at in the country. Listen. Mimic that hen. Be conservative on calling and uh, get ready to drop the hammer, dude, because something good's going to happen. Cool. Well, thanks a ton for doing this. I might have to do the second one with you and cover anything yeah, else that we missed, because I mean that was a lot in there, and I'm just trying to I'm trying to remember it. I'll keep it all straight in my head because I mean, if there's anyone like me that's never done it, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that we know nothing about that might just be old hat second nature. You guys wouldn't even think of. So yeah. But for sure. yeah, I'll, I'm going to when I edit this, I'm definitely going to take some notes down. And when I go to the store to buy a couple more things, I might be sending you pictures saying this one or this one type of deal. Yeah, dude. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and guys, don't get frustrated. Like I said, I've been doing this for, you know, I'm 31, turned 31 Saturday Friday night. And I've been doing this since I was in middle school. And I learn stuff every time I go. No one's an expert. That turkey will humble you. He, he will humble the world champion turkey caller just as like he'll humble the guy that's starting out. So, you know, let, let him teach you, learn from him, listen to him, and and get better every hunt. That's all you can do. Perfect. Well, if uh, people want to follow your stuff again, you want to give out your social medias and YouTube and stuff like that? Oh, yeah, man. Uh, so if you want to check out some uh, Instagram posts and reels, that kind of content, we've got an IG page, Buck 80 if you want to check out the the turkey season uh, playlist, there's a lot of stuff there, pattern videos, hunts, out-of-state hunts, 
Uh, that's under Mojo Buck Productions. We're going, uh, like we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, we're going to the NWTF convention in Nashville where all the big names are going to be there for the turkey season, uh, the turkey hunting industry. So we're going to be running around with a microphone asking everybody, hey, what's your number one turkey tip for turkey season? I'm going to compile all that into one YouTube video. So if you want to pick up some tips from the big guys that do it for a living, I'm going to have that all in a video for you, and maybe you can learn something you know, as we go up there. But guys, have a great season, and, and we'll catch you in the spring, man. Perfect. Well, thanks a ton for coming on. And uh, like I said, if I get, come up with some more questions, I'll definitely uh, see if you can't do another episode because there's a ton to learn. So thanks yeah, again man. for coming on and we'll uh, we'll talk to you later. All right, buddy. Sounds like a plan. You guys have a good rest of your week. Thank you. You too.